0: hey everyone it 's Brandon Lee here, host of Escaping Rock Bottom. We are down here, took the show on the road to Laguna Niguel, California in Southern California um, e- today you I have such special guests for you on this episode because you 're going to hear from people. Who use the drug ecstasy? And sometimes when we talk about the drug ecstasy, we think about, ah, oh, let's just go to a club or let's go to a rave and drop an ecstasy, everything will be okay. Uh, but today we're gonna talk about the dangers of ecstasy and recreational drug use. And there's no better guess that I've got on the lineup today. Um, If you're watching, you see her sitting next to me. If you're listening, her name is Asia. Um, She's about 10 years younger than me. And you went to the same high school that I went to, Santa Margarita Catholic High School. How crazy is that? Yeah, I did. That we both graduated from the same high school (laughs) 10 years apart. And we both were drug addicts. (laughs) And we both played around with drugs. But But, um, um, I always believe that sometimes the best way we hear a message is by somebody else who's already walked our path. Somebody who's walked in our shoes before, and they're not just preaching to us. So, um, Asia, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Um,
0: and the first first thing I'll ask you: What was your drug of choice?
1: So mine was ecstasy. Um, I first took ecstasy at a rave in about 2008, and I went to probably four more raves after that, and ended up overdosing. And waking up in a hospital two months later.
0: was. So did you? how many times have you used ecstasy before that, that last real big trauma?
1: About four times.
0: You only used ecstasy four times, <laughs> yeah. and you ended up in a coma for two months. Yeah. And I want people to understand that. I want people to understand that you don't have to be doing drugs for five or ten years for it to finally catch up with you. You are somebody who is telling me today that you've used ecstasy four times, and on that fourth time, you ended up in a coma. For two months Yeah When you first Were introduced To ecstasy In high school Or you know In that kind of Youth culture When your friends First asked you to do it What was your thoughts Or what did you believe Ecstasy was And what it would do
1: I kind of believed That it was like A hallucinogen That just made you Want to dance And feel lovey And want to touch people And Cause I've seen it In the shows And the movies <laughs> So.
0: <laughs> and if it's in the movies, that's exactly how it's going to play out, right? But did you did you enjoy it though? Did you enjoy your time on ecstasy? Um,
1: so the first time I ever did it, I actually had a terrible time. So I don't know why
0: I did it even again.
1: Did it again? <laughs> um, I was like coming down at the rave, and I couldn't find my friends, and I was just sitting in the corner, and almost called my mom to pick me up. And the next morning, my entire body hurt so bad, I couldn't even walk up the stairs. I had to crawl up the stairs. So I have no idea why I did it again.
0: Would you think it was maybe because your friends were doing it and a little level of peer pressure?
1: Yeah, so I originally didn't even want to go to rave. I would just tell my friends that I was going to go, but they kind of called me out and was like, you say are gonna go, but you never go, like you bail all the time, so I just show them
0: <laughs> As a good addict. Yeah. You know, or as And and that's a thing, like we talk about addicts and people assume like you in order to be an addict and earn that earn that card, like you have to be <laughs> using drugs for a long period of time and I if there's one message, especially with your story, that I want to get out there to people is that, listen, you can do recreational drugs one time. You do not know what you're putting into your body. Yeah, like, You exactly. just don't. Like You're buying these drugs, this ecstasy, and it's coming with a little smiley face on it, and they try Whoa, to be really cute with unicorn. the pill shapes To make it feel like it's, re- it's just easy fun. But yeah. all it takes is one time to be laced with the wrong drug. When... You were in that coma and I know you've had time to like reflect back on that. I'm sure you've had conversations with your family. Yeah. Was there ever a time that your parents thought about pulling the plug?
1: My parents didn't, but the doctors did because I also had four strokes while I was in my coma. And after those strokes, I just became comatose pretty much. And The doctors were saying that I'd probably be a vegetable or I'm not going to wake up. But my mom would pray and go to church every day and just be on her knees at this church that was actually by the school that I ended up going to, USC. And she even brought the priest in there to, like, bless me. And just one day i woke up
0: wow i mean that's a spiritual experience yeah and how does spirituality just play in your life i've
1: always been very spiritual i do believe in god God, but but i'm not someone who goes to church Mm -hmm. and really reads the bible through what i went through like I know he's real and I know he's looking after me because I actually had some visions in my coma.
0: Tell me about that.
1: Um so not a lot of people know about it, but I think I was just about to die and I feel like I was like trapped in between and so there's a bunch of jail cells lined up and there's like a person at the podium like calling people in. And in these cells, there's, like, a bunch of people, like, just crying and, like, really sad. And I just remember they are like, trying to call my name to, like, step up and get in my area. And I just kept running backwards and, like, running away. And it kind of felt like I was, like, in a cemetery, like, in a scary movie. And, like, it was all, like, dead leaves and trees and stuff. And I just kept running
0: and I, I asked you, thank you for sharing that because I tell people all the time, like I was, even though you and I both went to Catholic school, <laughs> I was definitely not a religious person and you know, I had my own inner demons and I definitely didn't believe in God and didn't, didn't have any spirituality, but it was through, it was through my, when yeah. I was on a coma, you know, when I was on, I was in, on life sport twice in one week. And it was through that experience that when I came to. Um, when I finally came out of my comatose, I remember taking a huge gasping breath and there's this doctor who was like looking over me in the ER. And the moment I took that breath, she looked up to the sky and she goes, thank you God for saving this one. And that was really the first spiritual experience that I've ever had, like uh, that I felt in my life. Um, but I think that that's important because I, I don't know about you, but my spirituality plays a huge role in the way I stay sober today.
1: Yeah, my spirituality plays a role in everything I do today, so because of that experience I had, I knew I had to speak out about what happened and not keep it dormant and be embarrassed about what happened and not tell people, so I believe I have a safer reason, and that reason is to share my story and save lives.
0: I love it. I'm going to give you a high five for that because I tell people (laughs) that that is my purpose in living now. Um, that I finally have found my purpose and that, like everybody who knows me from Arizona or just knows me across the country that, yes, I've been a news anchor. I still love doing the news, <laughs> but that is not my purpose in life. My purpose in life is not to read a teleprompter. Okay, my, okay, my purpose in life is to, I believe, is to spread the message to help those who are struggling. And there's so many people who are struggling and I'm able to do that because of my spirituality and the faith that I have in my higher power that guides me today and I love the fact of your mission in life and what you're doing now. And tell me a little bit about what it's like when you go around and you speak to high schools and you're talking to other parents and you're talking to other kids who are about your age when they're, you know, when you were out there using ecstasy. First off, what is, how do they receive that message when you're at a high school? Do you think, like, remember we were in high school and we'd have a guest speaker and, like, I, I was a dick sometimes. Like, play be a jerk, phone. play on my phone, or I would gossip, or I would talk, and I wouldn't even pay attention. And I'm sorry for all those public speakers who came, <laughs> and I was not listening. Um, but what's the reaction you get from people? Because you're real, like, I you're act- somewhat their age. and, and I
1: actually school. get a really good reaction from people. Um, I did go back to San Margarita and talk <laughs> to the classroom. Okay. But the moms of my friends, their, they're like, siblings were in the class, and they knew the girls who were at the rave with me, so the moms got really mad at the school for having me there.
0: Wow. Maybe because they're still because, trying to process.
1: Well, Yeah, and because, like, the siblings were there, and they were just very naive to the entire thing and thought it was all me. Mm-hmm and but a lot of the kids from the classroom did message me on facebook and said i was gonna go take to see you this weekend and because of hearing you like i'm not gonna do that i just
0: got I've, the goosebumps listening to that
1: i've gotten a lot of messages from kids from different schools saying that my story really touched them i've actually been out like I went to a concert, a country concert, this, a few months ago or something. And this girl ran up to me and she's like, You're her. And I was like, What? She's <laughs> like, I saw your video. You came and talked to my school. You changed my entire life. And like, just was hugging me for like 10 minutes. And so. It's
0: weird, right? It's weird, but at the same time, like, doesn't it give you. I don't know. Like when I get people reach out to me and I share my story, if I, you know, I do, I travel the country and I speak to huge conventions and I share my story about it. And when you have somebody come up to me and say like, thank you just for even speaking that, because a lot of times the reaction I get is no one ever shares that. Like no one ever shares about sex addiction or anything like that. But thank you because you just told my story and it almost takes a weight off of them.
1: Yeah. It feels great. It's awkward at first, but then afterwards, like, you just get this, like, feeling in your body. Like, I just possibly saved a life. Yes,
0: and you did. And I think that, like, um, I, I don't know. I think that that's one of the reasons why I continue to stay sober is that fuels me. You know, like, that feedback and that feeling of you just may have saved somebody from going down a really shitty path. Yeah. You know, and like we can't protect everybody, but what we do have is our story and, and a purpose for living And I can definitely say from my experience and my near death experiences that I, I, I should be dead. I should be dead and there's no reason why I'm alive other than the fact that, no, the reason I'm alive is to be here in this moment doing a podcast for that random person who may be listening that I've never met before who's driving to work today and he's just throwing on a podcast and you never know how that message is going to impact them.
1: Yeah, I believe it's the same thing actually.
0: Yeah. And like even today, like the fact that we went to the same high school, <laughs> you know, separated by 10 years is not by chance, you know, and I don't believe in coincidences of life. I believe in purposes of life. Yeah. Um. And I think that's so awesome. And, you know, the final thing that I want to wrap up is for the person who is for the person who is watching or listening, what do you tell them about just the dangers of ecstasy? What's your message to that kid or that mom or dad who's listening?
1: Just don't try it. Don't even do it. Focus on yourself and your goals for the future. And if you're having a difficult time or even thinking about doing any sort of drug, talk about it because there's probably an underlying issue that's really affecting you. And turning to drugs is not the answer. I really don't wish what happened to me on anyone
0: Mm so thank you um thank you for for sharing your story with me and i (laughs) i truly am so grateful i'm grateful that you're alive and i'm grateful that you are not just alive and living your own life but you're sharing that message and you're sharing your survival story with so many other people because it's going to change people's lives and that is so awesome so thank you thank you very much all right. so we're so actually- as you can see um, I have another special guest with me today this is Taylor Taylor is eight years my younger than me you're 30 right I'm 30 yes you're 30 where'd you go to high school uh, I actually graduated from Venice high school he graduated from Venice high school okay uh, Taylor, tell me a little bit about um, about your your drugging experience when you first yeah. started using.
2: Yeah, um, so I got the opportunity uh, to use uh, drugs at a pretty young age. Um, growing up in LA, uh, it's not really that uncommon, right. um, especially in the Venice area. Um, so around the age of twelve is when I first started experimenting with drugs. Um, at that time, uh, they were busting a lot of kids in from the overcrowded areas of Los Angeles. Um, with that came, you know, some of the harder drugs. So um, Really, really got uh, into it pretty young, um, continued from there. Uh, I just remember as soon as I tried drugs for the first time, it was the answer. You know, it became my solution. Life was my problem, and, and I was home, and and uh, and I, in that moment, um, decided that it was going to be my career, and I had found my identity, and from that moment on, that it was just always going to be a part of my life. Damn, but with the way you describe that, it's so... It's crazy to hear another
0: addict describe like how that drug made him feel because I so relate because it's exactly how I felt um when I started using drugs like it just like I was battling my own demons about being gay and had that own you know that that shame and that guilt right but the moment I did meth and I did GHB like I truly it was just like the problems went away yeah and then they were still there but totally. yeah yeah <laughs> but they're still there they're only like away for that for that little immediate time that you're high so um if you can talk specifically about what drugs you were actually taking yeah
2: um so the first drug uh, I did was I smoked weed um uh, that uh unlocked you know, the world of drugs to me, Uh, I thought if this could do this for me, what could every other drug, um, so I went through, um, I mean, very shortly after that, uh, crack cocaine, um, uh, PCP, um, got into huffing a lot, you know, um, uh, just as they presented themselves, I took the opportunity, you know, nothing was off limits. If so it was there, it was, it was happening. My
0: best girlfriend, Hannah, who yeah. was on my podcast the other day, she's in treatment industry. she's got 17 years. She calls herself the garbage pail kid. Cause no matter totally. what it was, she's like, yeah. what is that? Yeah. You got that. I'll take that drug. I totally. don't care what it is. Absolutely. Just, just give it to me. Yeah. It was like, okay, what did they do? Right. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, yeah. that
2: was, uh, that was it. And I was just kind of looking for the one, you know, um, I, uh, I, I did the rave scene, loved it that's when it was still fun um you know and then uh and then i found you know um opiates and you know the vicodin the narcos the oxycontin um which led to the heroin um which led to the methamphetamine and heroin um and then uh again crack cocaine you know reared up and and that was just the cycle of those three um brought me to to my knees you know um i woke up at the age of 27 uh just strung out the majority of my life was spent on the bathroom floor um, covered in dried blood, Damn. uh, searching for veins. God. Yeah. You know, people ask, and now that you can kind
0: of, uh, reflect back, cause how many years do you have sober now? And now it's three and a half, three and a half years. Yeah. It's freaking amazing. Incredible. It's a miracle, especially cause you were slamming. Totally. Uh, you were uh, slamming by the way, for viewers, uh, listeners who don't know what that is, that it means you're shooting up with needles Yes, uh, and you're injecting the drugs, um, known as slamming in the drug world. Uh, which is a miracle that you have three and a half years because I'm not going to say the percentages of people who recover from slamming. It's yeah. not great. Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of strength and a lot of self-discipline to get out of that, that it just, a hey, boy, you want to talk about a drug that handcuffs you totally. slamming. Yeah. Um, it is. Hell. Yeah. And now that you've had some time, some years to reflect, I know you're working a program. Um, yeah what do you think? And it's a question I get all the time. What led you to that? Like looking Mm. back at what were the traumas that happened to you that made
2: you choose a life of drugs to escape? So, um, there were, and, I, and this and this is the thing I get I get I get that a lot, but I don't blame my drug addiction on anything. Okay, specifically. Okay, um, it, I think it was something that I was born with. Okay, um, that um, I just stumbled across drugs and alcohol that took it away first. Yeah. You know, some people it's you know shopping, some people it's you know sex, some people it's eating. Some I just and, and before before the drugs and alcohol, it was cartoons and food. Right? right, I would hoard food in my room. I would isolate and watch cartoons all day because it took me out of my reality, right. and that's what i was looking for uh, anything i could do to not have me in my reality was the solution you know what and, was your rea- what was happening in your reality that was that was bad that you wanted to escape from so again it was uh, it was nothing in particular it was just a sense of 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 the unknown you wow. know i i just didn't know how to be um I didn't know who I was. I didn't know Not what like I liked. Not comfortable in your own skin. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they say that a lot in the program. Uh, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, but I feel like it was just an unknown of what my skin even was really. You know, yeah. I I didn't I didn't know anything about myself. Um at a yearly age, I, I took on all the responsibility of the the things that were happening in my parents' life. I took up um, all the responsibility of things that were happening in my my brother's life and just full of anxiety full of anguish you know full of um self doubt and, and 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 i just didn't know how to live
0: you, I think, what's so amazing, and why I wanted to talk to you on, you know, for this podcast today, is because this podcast is all about not just our war stories, but this podcast is absolutely about sharing a message of hope and inspiration, mm. and the fact that a you're still alive should be inspiration and hope for everybody yeah. who's watching and listening. First off, um, but the other thing that I love what you guys are doing is you are out there, uh, along with Asia, you guys are out there uh, trying to spread this message. Totally to teens Mm -hmm. and to youth Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't want to wait. Like I speak at AA conferences all over the country. Mm -hmm. Um, I just do four or five times a year. I'm out there speaking, but I'm like, yeah, but those people have already gone through their drug abuse and they want to hear my story, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But, what you guys are doing is you 're carrying the message to people before they even go down this path, mm. and you're warning them about it and I think that that is so crucial that it 's coming from somebody like you who's thirty you 're relatable you're youthful you're young and you're eight, and kids ages seventeen and eighteen are are going to relate. I love that you're going on this mission right now, and you're speaking to schools in Southern California and high schools, telling them about the dangers. What's the reaction you get from these kids?
2: So, uh, I mean, we're going even younger than that. We're going like eighth grade, right, about to go into high school even. Perfect. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's such an important age. Um that's when I started to feel the most uncomfortable totally. in junior high school. Absolutely. That's when I knew I was gay and I was being teased. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started for me. Exactly. That's such a volatile time yeah. in, in our lives, and our mind, right? Um, we're about to make this huge transition into an unknown um, that, uh, you know, there's so much pressure on just even, you know, high school alone, let alone when you get in there and you get into all the groups. And it's so, it's all, it was a huge turning point in my life to me. Um, the reaction's good you know it's it's um you know asia is such an incredible and powerful story you know and then um i can bring that that dynamic of of you know uh the the addict that struggled for a long time you know and and uh, the uh the information is so important to get to them at this age, and, and the reactions is good from them. You know, um, we just try to educate, and that that's the number one thing. Like when I was when I was there, and the speaker came up, and they were telling me that you know the only things were gonna happen if if you're a drug addict, like you're you know you're going to get AIDS and you're gonna put a shopping cart you know and that, that's what's going to happen right and and when those things didn't happen uh, i didn't think i was a drug addict and i didn't right. think it was an issue you know so we really try to dive deeper into you know this is what i felt like this is the reason why i took the opportunity to do it and you know if, if this is the feeling you get from the drugs then maybe talk to somebody you know because we're all going to get the opportunity that's just the world we live in you know but if you decide to do them and it makes you feel this way or if you're doing it because of this then there's really going to be a, a more of a struggle for you most likely right right you know if you're doing it to, you know, there's obviously the danger, like with Asia, there's obviously the danger if you go out, you do it once, you know, you can have horrible, horrible consequences, you know, so right. don't try it, right? But people are going to. Yeah, you know, that and, whole and, like, just say no, doesn't work. Exactly, right? And 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 when you do try it, you know, um, or if you do try it, uh you know, if this is what's happening after that... Be aware of it. Exactly.
0: And I think, too, what's so important about that conversation is because... As the good addict that I was, and the rebellion kid that I was inside of me, like I was a great athlete. I did really well in school, and so my parents didn't bother me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the the thing is, is that even if somebody were to tell me not to do something, I'm, I'm going to go do it. Totally. But I think what the great thing is about your messaging is that I think that. Had somebody spoken to me, I think that conversation would have just lived in my head. Just like you'll hear in the rooms of AA that people say, once you have AA in you, mm-hmm. it never leaves you. Yes. <laughs> and that if you do relapse, it's fucking hell. Because when you're high on drugs, you feel shame. Mm-hmm. You feel guilt that mm-hmm. you just <laughs> are now high. You've relapsed. And everybody... and. I'm blessed that I've never relapsed in my nine years. The Mm. day I went to my first AA meeting, I've been sober ever since that day. But I trust and believe those who do come back to the rooms to tell me about their relapse. And they always tell me this. It is 10 times worse, and you pick up right where you left off. Yeah, And... It, it, they're like, Brandon, whatever you're imagining and fantasizing, you know, because I do still to this day, nine years in, I still fantasize <laughs> about using drugs once in a while. And Definitely. like, I remember the high times, which is the goddamn devil on my shoulder mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing, you know, like being like, it's still there for you. Totally. And you know, what I realize is that once that program is now in me and what they say is like, they're like, Brandon, the moment I got high again, it was just like, this overwhelming shame that came over me. And the reason why I say that is because your message might just stick with a kid or two. And even if they do drugs and they're like, dude, this is what that guy was talking about. Like, totally. Whoa. Um, totally. and Which is the reason why we need to talk more about it and not be so guarded with our kids yes. about it. And I Absolutely. think that that is what's so beautiful about what you guys are doing is that parents – want to put their kids into a protective little bubble. Mm -hmm. Catholic schools want to put their little kids in this protective bubble. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that when those kids in Catholic school realize that the world ain't in that plastic, that little glass bubble and they go and experience the real world, that's when trouble hits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I I think that we just need to stop sugarcoating life for kids.
2: Totally, and that's the one thing I ask the kids to do. Like I don't ask them to do anything except for one thing, and that's believe what I'm telling them. Right. You know, that's it. I just, I just you know a lot of the time, we'll have a, a, a before picture of me, or I guess from where they're sitting, it's an after picture, right? right? It's from when I was like in the throes of my addiction, and I said something happened between where you're sitting in this picture, you know, and I'm not saying it's going to, but I'm just asking you to believe me that it could, you know, and that's that's literally. All, all, all I want from them because I used to sit there with that feeling of, like, that'll never be me. Right. This guy's crazy. This guy's a loser. I'm never going to do that. I'm smarter than that. Totally. Um, but if I thought that maybe or if i believed which that which by the it could way if that's me. your
0: reaction when you're hearing his story it's a sign you got an issue. Totally yeah. That's a, <laughs> yeah. That's a warning sign, mom right? and dad, if your yeah. child is like, "Hey, fuck this guy. He's like a loser. I'm never going to go that bad." That's a warning sign. Totally, right? So yeah, <laughs> if i had
2: that thought of like a belief that that could be me, maybe yeah. i would have gone down a different <laughs> road, road. Okay. Okay,
0: so, uh, this podcast is all about stories of hope. What's your life like today?
2: Oh my god, it's incredible. Uh, my life looks nothing like the life that i had when i was drinking and using. Um, i am uh, most importantly, i'm a brother today. I'm a son today. I'm a husband today. I'm an uncle today. You know, I'm an example of hope that others can make it out, and that's that's truly what I try to focus in on. You know, I'm, I'm a homeowner. Uh, I'm actually going to Costa Rica uh, tomorrow. Oh, that's uh, amazing! Amazing one-year wedding anniversary. Um, oh, congratulations! So thank you, thank you.
0: Because um, uh, these are things I'm telling you. These are things like that. Um, after my first podcast aired, I've had so many parents reach out to me, being like, "I have a 17-year-old son. He's addicted to heroin. I don't know what to do." Yeah. And the one thing that they. Responded to me, which I'm so excited that this podcast is going to air is because these parents are giving up hope mm. that something good can come of their son who's yes. out there using, and they don't know where that son is. Yeah. And I want them to hear your story and Asia's story, and it's going to it's gonna spark hope in them. Absolutely. My son can yes. eventually get married at age 30 yes. and have three years sober yes. and do those things. Totally. And they don't have to wait. Or, and that's like my story. I got sober when I was at the end of 28, about to turn 29. Mm-hmm. I'm like. How amazing that I got so fucked up in my twenties that I got sober in my twenties that now I can live the rest of my life sober and amazing. Totally. You know, you don't gotta wait till you're in your forties and fifties to realize you're no. an alcoholic, or you're a drug addict. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. And and the younger, the younger the better. You know, uh, sobriety is a gold mine. Sobriety is an absolute yeah. gold mine, you know, and, and the younger somebody can get it the better. Yeah man, thank
0: you so much thanks yes. thanks for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Thank you at home for watching and listening. Um, the website is escapingrockbottom dot com uh, you can find it on iTunes. You can find it on instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, Just search Escaping Rock Bottom. Um, Thank you to my guests today. They're awesome what they're doing, the message that they're out there delivering to youth. And here's the thing. like If you're a parent and you're watching right now, what I want you to know is that no matter how far down the scale you think that your son or your daughter has fallen, don't give up. And don't give up that hope because if my parents really knew what had happened to me... A lot of parents would, realize, would but they would probably give up being like there's no way he can turn his life around. Mm. And the reason why I wanted to have you know, Taylor and Asia on the show today is to prove to you that they did these drugs. They lived this lifestyle. But look at their lives today mm. and the impact that they're having on people's lives today because Taylor could be your son um, and could be that story of hope. So never give up hope because that's what this podcast is all about. So thank you very much.